All right. Well, it's preaching time. Right, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 115. This is our theme verse uh, for this year. And we have been doing a series on Sunday mornings dealing with the word more. And this morning we'll pick back up with that series, part three. Uh, there's so much in the Bible about this word. I don't know how I'm going to be able to fit it all in in one year. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to touch on it from time to time throughout the year. And uh, our theme verse, when you find your place, stand with me, please. We'll read it. And then we will just jump into what God's given us this morning. I'll get as far as I can. If I get finished, great. If not, that's okay as well. Psalm chapter 115, verse number 14. The Bible says, The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Father, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word this morning. May God's people's hearts be stirred and fed. And may you be exalted, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We looked at this text in context at the beginning of the year, went down through here verse by verse and just looked at uh, these, these highlighted points through this chapter. But our theme is verse number 14, the Lord shall increase you more and more. And the last message that we preached, week before last, was on the agenda that God has, that God has an agenda. His agenda is more and abundance. If you go to Genesis chapter number one, he created everything and told it to be fruitful and multiply. The devil came to seek and to kill and to destroy, but Jesus and I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So abundance and, and, and fruitfulness and, and flourishing and thriving in life, that is the agenda that God has. And I believe this with all of my heart, anything that is alive, if it's right, it will grow. It will continue to become healthier and stronger. And the child of God, God wants us to have more. He wants to bless us. And we looked at that last week. I'm not going to take the time to recap all of that. You can go back if you missed it and listen to part two on the agenda. But this morning, I want to look at the abundance. Because in order for God to be able to increase you and I more and more, it stands to reason that he must be a God of great abundance. God not only wants us to be abundant, but he is a God of abundance. And to try to fit all this in in one message would be impossible to talk about the abundance of God. But God wants to bless us. He wants to give us an abundant life. Uh, but our theme this year is the Lord shall increase you more and more. And for God to increase us, it's got to come from somewhere. And it comes from him. He is a God of great abundance. And by way of introduction this morning, I want to just look at two things before we get into the meat of the message. First of all, I want to notice the source of his abundance. We know that he is an abundant God, but when we ask ourselves, where did his abundance come from? Well, it came from him. Right. Right. <laughs> Amen. He didn't go buy it. Nobody gave it to him. The source of the abundance is God himself. The Bible tells us in John chapter number one and in verse number one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. He made it all. God did. Or as John one said, Jesus did. Now you gotta believe Jesus is God or you just fell off the turnip wagon right there. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter number one, talking about Jesus, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, 
and he is before all things and by him all things consist. Can I get a witness? So the source of the abundance is God. God is the source. Everything that we have, everything that there is, he made it. It's from him. And I think we have to get our heads wrapped around the fact that God does not have a shortage. There is no supply chain shortage in heaven. Amen. The, the, the ship sitting off the pier and, and, the, and the truckers backed up at the, at the, at the uh, border because they haven't been vaccinated and can't bring us our stuff, that's not a problem to God. All right? I mean, he is the creator of everything, so we see the source of his abundance is he himself. That's hard for our finite minds to comprehend that, isn't it? Just like it's hard for us to comprehend a God that had no beginning. He had no beginning, and he has no ending. He's eternal. My mind can't get a hold of that. If you ever understand or begin to understand the fact that God had no beginning, you also got to see that he waited a long time to create this world, didn't he? Are y'all still with me? Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, that was the beginning of the world, but not the beginning of God. He was a long time before that. <laughs> I just tripped my own self up. Hang on a second. I've got to get back on the turnip wagon. i got a leg hanging off here. He is the source of the abundance. When we have him, we have everything. Why do we forget that? By the way, I'm not talking about tangible. I'm talking about intangible. We'll get to the tangibles eventually later on in this year, but this morning we're going to look at the abundance and they're intangible. They're unseen things, but they're very real. He's the source of all abundance. But secondly, I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring this down for our human finite minds. We see the scope of his abundance, the scope of his abundance. How do we get our heads and our hearts and our minds wrapped around the scope of his abundance? Well, the Bible says it like this in a couple of places. First of all, in our text in verse number 16, it says that the heavens are the Lord's. No, it says the heaven, even the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. Is that what your Bible says? So as far as you can see and on past what you can't see, and all the stuff that the telescopes can see and all the stuff out past that, guess what? That's all his. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord. Some of y'all worried about your bills. Some of you worried about your finances. Some of you worried about your job situation. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. This is the one that says, I want to increase you more and more. You're not going to break his bank praying. You're not going to break the bank. It's amazing that out of all of his abundance and after all that he gives, it doesn't even begin to deplete his supply. If I give you $5 this morning, I'm, I'm out five bucks. If I give you $100, I'm, I'm $100 less in my worth than I was before I gave you the $100. But God can bless us and bless us and bless us and it doesn't even begin to deplete his supply. You say, I don't understand that. Me neither. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. We see the, the earth, uh, the, the heavens are the Lord's. 
Hannah prayed in 1 Samuel chapter number two. She says, the pillars of the earth are the Lord's. In 1 Samuel 2, she's praying in verse 6, the Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust. He lifteth up the beggar from the dung hill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he hath set the world upon them. The earth is sitting on pillars. Anybody seen those pillars? I mean, the earth is spinning, by the way. Come on now. You don't have to understand it, just listen. The earth is spinning. And the earth is sitting on pillars. Those pillars that the spinning earth is sitting on, they're his. I just lost myself. The, the heaven, not the heaven, but the heavens are the Lord's. The pillars of the earth, of the earth is sitting on are the Lord's. Bible says in Psalm 24, one, the earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. I'm preaching so far over my head right now, I'm having a doggy paddle while I'm a preaching. First Corinthians 10, 26, Paul said, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So let me see if I've got this right. We've got the source of the abundance, that's God. We've got the scope of the abundance, that is the heaven and the heavens, they're the Lord's. The pillars of the earth, that the earth is setting on, they're the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I, I, think, he's got, I think he's got it covered. Come on now. And we're sitting there many times as Christians and he says, I want to increase you more and more. And you think, well, that's not possible. There's no way. Yes way. He can. He's the source of abundance and the scope of his abundance pretty much is everything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Preacher, you don't understand. I just can't afford to tithe. You can't afford to give God what's already God's that God commanded you who were also gods to give to him because you're gods and what you give him is gods. You can't afford to do that because why now? You gotta walk me through that. Well, you just don't understand if I tithe, I'm gonna starve to death. Did you not hear what I just said? That the heaven and the heavens are the Lord's and the pillars are the Lord's and the earth and the fullness is, is the Lord's. You can't trust him. You can't put faith in him. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a candidate for more. That's our theme this year is more. I'm happy. I'm happy with what God has done for me. I'm grateful for what God has done in me. I'm grateful for what God is doing through me, but I'm a candidate for more. And God is interested in more. I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Well, I got life in 1976 when I got born again, saved by the grace of God. He didn't just give me physical life in 1972, but he gave me spiritual life in 1976. And I'm saved and I'm secure and I'm thankful for that. But he said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I'm interested in that. Amen. But when we talk about more many times, we talk about increase many times, people think about their bank account and their wallet. That's the first thing they think about. 
Oh Lord, I wish you'd bless me. I'd like to build a shed. I'd like to get a bigger house. I'd like to get a garage. I'd like to get me a storage building or two to put all the stuff in that you're gonna give me. Hang on just a second. Hang on just a second. We'll get to that later on in the year, maybe, or not. I'm not really concerned in that, to be honest with you, because I'm looking for Jesus to come back. I'm expecting Jesus to come back before I get finished preaching. That's why I'm talking so fast. I wanna get done before he comes back. I believe he's coming back like he said he's coming back. And so if we really believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ, we really believe that Jesus was coming back. Let me loosen my collar here so I can preach for a little bit. Amen. If we really believed he was coming back at any moment, we wouldn't be so infatuated with physical assets and tangible blessings. We'd be interested in the spiritual blessings. Well, I want to give you a few of the things that this morning he's abundant. He's more abundant. That word more is all through the Bible. Trying to look at all of them and try to break them down and try to dissect them, trying to outline them. It's going to be a job looking at the things that God has in abundance for us. But I want to start with this because this is where it starts. Number one, he's abundant in his converting power. He's abundant in his converting power. Isaiah 55, verse number seven, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. God is able to save, as a preacher once said, from the guttermost to the uttermost. Amen, he's able to save. He's able to abundantly pardon. He's abundant in his converting power. He's been saving people for thousands of years and he's nowhere near tapped out on his power to save and convert souls. We still believe in conversion. We still believe in people getting saved. We still believe in people getting born again. We still believe in giving the gospel. We still believe in the old-fashioned altar. People come and kneel and pray. We still believe in people bowing their heads and repenting and turning to Christ and getting born again, saved by the grace of God. These preachers that spend all their time talking about God wants to prosper you and God wants to bless you. God wants to give you nice things. He came that you might have life. Let's start at the beginning. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He was born in a manger, not so you could live in a mansion, but so that you could die and, and go to heaven and then one day have a mansion. But he's abundant in converting power. I got looking at, at Romans chapter, I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter number five. Romans chapter number five, what a great passage of scripture. The apostle Paul, as he's writing here to the church, he makes some great statements that I want to just touch on a few of them this morning. We're talking about more. We're talking about abundance. We're talking about his power to save. There may be somebody here this morning say, Pastor Shifflin, you don't know me. I'm too bad of a person for God to save. There is no such thing. Amen. There's no such thing as being too bad or too lost. Yeah. Romans chapter number five. Look at what it says. Verse number 12, wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, death by sin. That's talking about Adam in the garden. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, but, but not as the offense so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, look at this, much more. 
There's our word, much more, the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. You say, goodness, Adam sinned, and because one man sinned, everybody was plunged into sin. That's exactly right. But even more amazing and even more powerful is that through the death of one man, everybody can be saved from their sin. Much more, is what my Bible says, much more the grace of God. Verse 16, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more, there it is again, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ, therefore as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men into justification for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous moreover the law entered and the offense might abound watch this but where sin abounded grace did much more abound are y'all getting this this morning Adam sinned and when Adam and Eve sinned all of their children all their seed was tainted by sin we were born in sin We was born with that sin nature. We were born lost, needing to be saved. I've gone soul winning so many times, knocked on the door and asked somebody, I said, this is the first thing you gotta do before you can be saved is you gotta acknowledge you're a sinner. Are you a sinner? Well, I'm a good person. I, I, let's talk about. Let's talk about. Are you a sinner? Are you a, Are you a sinner? You gotta. You gotta acknowledge you're a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, I'm a good person. We're talking about the sin nature. Because Adam sinned, the whole world was plunged into sin. But don't choke on that. Don't spend a whole lot of time choking on that. Because, because Jesus came and one man was obedient, everybody that's a sinner can now get saved. And where sin abounded, you remember when sin abounded in your life? Remember before you got saved? Sin abounded, amen, you just every day, you just seem to multiply in your life. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. What happened? The God of supply, the abundant supply of the grace of God was much more than what the devil had to offer. That's what. He's abounding in his converting power. Man, I like that much. I like the word more. And I like much more. And I like much more and abounding all in the same verse. I like it. I like it. Amen. He's abundant in his converting power. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. God don't care who you are and what you've done. Salvation is free. Salvation's available to you this morning. I believe that with all of my heart. There's some people that don't believe that everybody can be saved. They're probably wrong about other things as well. But the Bible's very clear that every man, woman, boy, and girl can be saved. No matter what you've done. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That thief on the cross, dying for his crimes, looked over at Jesus and said, remember me. When thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, sorry, buddy, you waited to the last minute. I can't help you. Is that what he said? Son, I'm sorry, I... If you'd have asked me when you was a young boy and didn't have so much sin in your life, I probably could have, but you're a convicted criminal dying right now in front of God and everybody for your crimes. It's too late. Is that what he said? No, he did not. He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. 
the blood of Jesus Christ washeth away all sin. I'm grateful. I'm grateful this morning he's abounding in converting power. We could preach for about a month on that one point right there. Secondly, turn with me over to Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter Hebrews 6, rather. Hebrews chapter number 6. I got it wrong in my notes, but I knew that wasn't right. Hebrews chapter number 6. Are you there? Look what it says in verse number 11. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, Where am I at? I'm in chapter 9. I told y'all 6. And I would... Well, I'm going to tell you something. That's a good verse in chapter 9, verse 11. But God, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect, there's that word more again, more perfect tabernacle. It's all in there. We'll get to that later, I reckon. Let me, let's get on the same page. Literally, where are we at? Chapter 6. Where are we at? <laughs> verse number, number, look at verse number 13. But for when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God willing more abundantly, there's that word again, abundantly, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. Hang on just a second. I was right when I said chapter number nine. That's where I wanted to go. We're going to come back to chapter six. I told you, I've been on vacation. Y'all give me a break. It's hard to study and take pictures of the grandbaby at the same time. We're going to get to chapter 6 here in a minute. I'm in chapter number 9. Where are you at? Let's go back to where I was at. I, was, I hate it when I'm right and I think I'm wrong. I hate it when I do that. Chapter 9, verse 11. But God, but Christ, being come in high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once of the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, verse 14, how much more yes. shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Number two, he's abundant in a complete purging, amen. Praise God, he uh, is abundant in the purging, but it's not a temporary purging, it is a perfect purging, it is a complete purging. See, what happened in the Old Testament when they would offer up those bulls and those rams and those goats and those turtle doves is that was a temporary, temporary satisfying of the wrath of God, but it was just postponing the inevitable, the judgment of God on sin. Till Jesus died on the cross, being the perfect sacrifice, 
And when he died on the cross, that veil in the temple was rent in twain and there was no longer a need for blood sacrifice because the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was much more better. A whole lot much more better. Amen. Abundant and complete purging. And I love what he says for verse 13, for if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. And that was a temporary, partial, imperfect Come on now. They'd come in and they'd offer up those, those sacrifices on that brazen altar in the doorway of that tabernacle and they would move over to that brazen laver made out of the women's looking glasses and you know revival had to break out for all the women to cough up their mirrors, amen. They took the looking glasses, the Bible says, and they made that brazen laver, I believe it was basilio and the whole have made that brazen laver filled with water, a type and a picture of sanctification picture of the mirror of the word of God looking into the perfect law of liberty. Come on now. And the word of God cleansing. And it was just temporal. It was just the outside. It was just the flesh. It didn't do anything to the inside of them. He'd go into that holy of holies and he would take that blood and sprinkle it on that mercy seat and every year just postpone the wrath of God. Until Jesus died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, it did more than wash the dust off your feet. It did more than wash the mud off your face. Come on now, he cleansed us and he washed us and he purged us. He's abundant in his complete purging. And we still got people today still trying to clean up and wash up the outside, turn over a new leaf, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop doing this and I'm gonna start doing this, that's commendable. But you need to deal with the source of the problem. It's the inside, it's the heart. Your spirit is dead, Bible says in Ephesians, dead, which were dead and trespasses of sin, have he quickened? Yeah. Be made alive. It's dead on the inside, corrupt, filthy, vile, rotten. And he saved us, and with his blood, he purged us. And I know we're looking at us, you wouldn't think there was much to us, would you? Come on now. But he's made us worthy to enter into his perfect heaven through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Well, I beat myself up. Anybody ever beat yourself up? I beat myself up. I say to myself stuff like this, self, you're an idiot. You've asked forgiveness for that a thousand times and here you are doing it again. You've been going to the altar and you've prayed you ought to be past that at this stage in your Christian life. Anybody else do that beside me? If there's anybody in here that's got it together, let's go out for coffee. I'm buying. You tell me the secret <laughs> to eradicating that flesh because I want in on that. Yes, sir. Had a woman leave my church one time. She said, I don't like what you said. You said our spirit was saved and our soul was saved, but our flesh wasn't saved. I said, and? She said, my soul, my flesh is saved. I said, uh, not from what I saw yesterday, it ain't. <laughs> no, I love you and everything, but uh, no, your flesh ain't saved. But that blood of Jesus Christ <laughs> cleanses and purges. I know you can't tell by looking at me, and I can't tell by looking at you, but I've been washed. And I've been purged. Yeah. 
part of the blood-washed band. Amen. Now, I wished I had a better understanding of what I'm trying to preach to you, but I'm doing the best I can with my limited intelligence. Thank you for not saying amen on that point right there. (laughs) How much more, verse 14, shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? My goodness. Boy, there's so much preaching in there. He's abundant in a complete purging. Now, now we can go to chapter six. Now we can go to chapter six. I had the right notes and I second guessed myself and went to chapter six first, but we were right, chapter nine. Now we're in chapter six. He's abundant, number three, in his confirming promise. Write that down. In his confirming promise. Verse 13 of chapter six, for when God made promise, to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. See, if somebody goes into a court of law, they put their hand on the Bible, swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help God. That Bible, that's greater than them. They say, I'm, I'm putting my hand on the Bible. Now, it don't mean anything anymore. I mean, judges and politicians and elected leaders put their hand on the Bible and swear it up, hold the Constitution, defend it from public and domestic, don't get me started on that. It don't mean anything anymore, but it's supposed to. But God, because he could swear by none greater, he swear by himself. I mean, God said, so help me God. So help me me. So what I'm gonna do, so help me me. Look at what it says in verse 15. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise from me and verily swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. If we could just get somebody to sign the oath or sign the contract or shake hands and let's get it, let's get it on paper, then I'll feel better about it. And somebody once said a verbal contract ain't worth the paper it's written on. And a, and a paper contract anymore is not worth the paper it's written on. You can hire enough sleazy lawyers to get you out of anything. But used to, when you made a promise, it meant something. And an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Remember when a handshake meant something? Shake hands on something, I'm gonna buy this car, I'm gonna go to the bank, I'm gonna get the money, I'll be right back. Don't, 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 hold it for me. I'm gonna sell it to you. Buy a piece of property. Buy a house with a handshake. Now, forget it. But look what it says in verse number 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath. See, he made a a covenant with Abraham. And when God says something, he cannot lie. And he wanted to make a covenant with us even even more than what he made to Abraham. I'm talking about abundance. I'm talking about more. I'm talking about the God of abundance. Are y'all following me this morning? That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Aren't you thankful for that? When everybody, everybody today is a liar. Professional liars. They got degrees. They got, they're certified card carrying liars with credentials. It's unbelievable. 
And we think, well, if we could just get them in front of, if we could just get them in, in, in front of the Senate, get, if we could just have a hearing, if we could just get to the bottom of it, forget it. If we could just get them under oath, forget it. They'll lie under oath in a blue minute. With the cameras rolling and, the, and, they're, and they're keeping the records, they will spew lies under oath. But we have a God that cannot lie. Now, I don't know about you, but I appreciate that more and more and more every day as I live. We have a God that cannot lie. It's impossible. It's not even possible for him to lie. Now, the devil, the one that came to steal and kill and destroy, he's a liar. And if that wasn't clear enough, Jesus said he's the father of lies. And his children, you're the children. You're, you're, the works of your father you will do. I mean, he, hey, he didn't, he didn't pull punches. Jesus said, but I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am so thankful today that we have a God that is abundant. I'm talking about more abundant in confirming his promise. You cannot lie that we might have a strong consolation. I'm out of time and I'm out of breath. Write this down, number four. He's abundant in the consoling protection. Look at what it says in verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. We have fled for refuge. Well, we've had time to go over to Numbers chapter 35 and look at those cities of refuge. I believe that's what the author of Hebrews is referring to. They had sinned, they had committed a crime and were, they were going to die for it. If they could just get to that city of refuge and escape that death penalty. And he said that in the Old Testament they had those cities of refuge that they could flee to. And somebody could come in there and say, hey, I'm here to take you back. Saw what happened. Y'all out there plowing. Oxen got away from you and your plow ran over my buddy out there and ripped his head off. We got to go back, go to court for that. No, 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 I'm in the city of refuge. You can't touch me. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm safe. Well, guess, guess what our city of refuge is? Guess who our city of refuge yeah, is? Yeah. Jesus Christ. And we were sinners and we were under the penalty and we were guilty of sin. Come on now. Guilty of sin. We deserve to die. But he's our refuge. He's where we go. He's the one we run to when we need salvation and protection. And he says that God hath gave us this promise that we might have a strong consolation. Sometimes you read the headlines, you read the news, you get an email, you go, oh, that makes me feel better. To the next day when you get the email to find out that what they said today was a pile of baloney. Oh, there's a new study come out. I wish they'd quit studying. <laughs> Eggs is bad for you. Milk's bad for you. You got this expert saying drink eight bottles, eight, eight glasses of water a day. And you got this other guy over here saying don't drink that much water, it'll ruin your kidneys. It's like, <laughs> I got all these experts and all these studies. We're looking for consolation. We have a strong consolation. It's Jesus Christ. 
We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Which hope, by the way, that word hope in your New Testament, it doesn't mean cross your fingers and hope like we were during the Bulldogs Atlanta game. Come on, I know you can, I know you can. Come on, I know you can, come on. I know you can. And I went to bed the third quarter and said they can't. I'm not talking about that kind of hope. Uh-uh. It's hope based on fact. It's confidence and assurance based on fact, the fact that God cannot lie. Strong consolation. To lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have, verse 19, as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. What about that? He's, uh, he's got plenty. We're talking about more. We're talking about abundant life. You're not going to break the bank. You're not going to break the bank. It starts with getting saved. It starts with experiencing that forgiveness of sins and that purging that only comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And then understanding that God's promises cannot fail. God cannot lie. He couldn't lie to Abraham. He couldn't lie to him. He couldn't have lied to him if he wanted to. He couldn't. Immutable things, these two immutable things, he cannot lie. All I want to say this morning in closing is this. If we're going to experience more this year, we're going to have to understand the source and the scope of God's abundance. It's not even, it, for us, it won't even be attainable. It, we, we won't even be able to grasp and comprehend what God has for us. Spiritually, I'm talking about spiritual blessings. I'm talking about the, the goodness of God in our life. The things that you can't put your hands on. I don't know how to, how to say that it, they're intangible. They're not, they're not a figment of our imagination. They're, they're, it's, it's an anchor. Are y'all getting this this morning? It's an anchor for the soul, steadfast and sure. God is a God that cannot lie. And his source of abundance is himself. And the scope of his abundance, well, it's everything. Whatever you need this morning. Let me say it like this. Hebrews 11. Without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That he is what? That he is everything he said he was. And that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I don't know how else to sum it up this morning. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder as our musicians are coming, would there be somebody in the service that would say, Pastor Shefflet, I'm not 100% sure that I've experienced that pardon. I've not experienced that saving grace that you preached about this morning. I'm not 100% sure if I died that I would go to heaven and I would appreciate it if you would remember me in prayer. Would there be somebody this morning, slip your hand up, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died this morning that I would go to heaven. Please pray for me. Anybody anywhere in the service, preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I see that hand. God bless you. Thank you for being honest this morning. Anybody else, preacher, pray for me. I can't say with 100% confidence that if I died today that I would go to heaven, but I want to, and I want you to pray for me. Anybody anywhere? Anywhere? I see that hand. God bless you, buddy. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I wouldn't embarrass you for a million dollars. We just want to help you today. It would be our greatest honor to help you this morning. Get that settled. If you want to experience what God has for you, it's got to start 
with receiving him as your personal Lord and Savior. That's where it starts. If you would allow us this morning, it would be our greatest privilege. There's a phone number on the screen for those of you that are watching online. If you'll text that number and say, I need to talk to somebody. In just a few minutes, somebody will call you with a Bible and try to help you over the phone. There may be somebody here this morning while these are in the altar praying. Say, Pastor Shiflett, I want what God has for me. I want that abundant life that you were preaching about. I want it. I'm a candidate for what God has for me. Would you slip your hand up this morning? Hands going up, hands going up, hands going up. I'm a candidate for what God has for me. Hands are going up. While these are praying, while she plays on the piano, if God has spoken to your heart, would you get up out of your seat? Would you come and kneel and join these in the altar that are already down here praying?